Welcome to uh, episode 5 of Banana Republic, the uh, Birmingham political podcast uh, from the people that bring you Birmingham live. Um, I'm Neil Elps, the local council correspondent. I'm here with two of our newly elected councillors. They've been councillors for about a week now. Um, we've got Julian Pritchard, who um, has become Birmingham's first Green councillor. He won the Drew Teeth and Money Hole seat. Um, in a result that um, was perhaps one of the, the bigger headlines on the day, being as um, the balance of power on the council didn't really alter that much. And we've got Suzanne Webb, who's a Conservative in Castle Vale, again a seat that has been held by Labour for a fairly long time um, in its previous incarnations. So, um, and I personally have known them both um, from their campaigning over several years. Uh, Julian was a campaigner for the Friends of the Earth and then more recently the Green Party and um, Suzanne was working with Project Fields which was the uh, the residents grassroots campaign against uh, building on the Greenbelt in Sutton Coalfield. So they've come from that sort of background campaigning and single issue politics into the uh, political front line. But first I'm going to uh, say hello to them both. Hello. Hello. And uh, I'll ask Julian to, to kick off and just tell us a bit about yourself and how you got got that seat um yes yeah, so i'm i'm julian i'm the uh, uh neil says the first green um elected on on, on second city's uh, council um i'm uh, uh councillor for jersey the molly hall um as for how we did it um i think listening to people was, was the big one i think it's being there um speaking to people making sure we react on their concerns um and you know being that voice and that advocate for for, for local people really um and, and kind of try and do that as much as possible um, and trying to keep that going now as now I've been elected as a councillor. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that was the main thing. I think it was a listening, really, and, and kind of being seen to be there for people. Yeah, and Suzanne, your experience? I think it goes back to, I think, about 2012, and I think we met Neil in a car park in Sutton Coalfield and uh, down by Asda in 2013. I think it was. Good. It doesn't actually, does it? No. Um, but um, so I was, as you say, campaigning um, to try and protect the green belt, although the, the main aim of that was just to try and get people engaged actually in the process. Um, and there was about four or five years of that, which led me quite nicely into understanding a bit more about politics and the city council and the mechanism of how it actually actually all works and so tried to sort of enter into to frontline politics um, about three years ago um, and um, picked up to be the Conservative representative in Castlevale about two years ago and successful um, about a week and a half ago which is just fantastic. Yeah um, and, and it's not either of your first elections was it? Not for me, no. no. Um, I've been a paper candidate in Chardend, um, and then, as you know, um, I stood in Vesey against Rob Pocock and was un- unsuccessful then. Um, yeah, so likewise, I've, I've, I've stood before for the council, but and I also was the uh, general election candidate um, in Faselioke as well for the Green Party. Um, but so yeah, certainly in terms of um, winning a seat, this is obviously the first, but um, yeah, no, I've been, been there before on the ballot paper. Um, and I think for me, um, having done the kind of campaigning on, on issues and, and kind of lobbying of, of uh, or kind of advocating to um, councillors over the years, um, it, it did make me think that I, you know I'd, I'd quite like to have a go at doing that myself um, and kind of seeing um, kind of yeah councillors at work and, and having that experience of, of speaking to them, um, yeah, kind of made me want to kind of have a go. Um, and also being inspired by fellow Greens in, in other areas, um, you know, the kind of 
um, in, in kind of you know, place like Chelmsley Wood, um, you know, where we, we've got uh, three well, three green councillors there, and, and the eleven in Solihull. Um, I kind of seeing the work that they do as well, um, thinking, well, actually, you know, as a green councillor, I could do something similar and do the same. Um, it kind of inspired me to kind of have a go and get involved, really. Yeah, I mean, who's perhaps Suzanne, who's in, who's inspired you to, to join the you know the Conservative group and to, to move on from there? Um, well, being part of the Conservative group goes back to when I was 18, effectively, but actually actively getting involved um, was the complacency of the City Council and their reaction to um, their perceived housing shortages of over 80,000 to want to actually build on, on the Greenbelt. Um, when I believe there were uh, better solutions, which is looking at the, ha- the wider housing market. Um, so that kind of drove me more into the need to get involved actually in politics. And um, I think eventually I will be proven right on that, is that I think ultimately in the next few years they'll be actually looking outside of the, the city boundaries and are talking about um, these, these new settlements, um, which is really where those that housing need needs to go. Um, so that, that's really what drove me into politics, seeing how sometimes it works effectively and sometimes it doesn't work effectively, and, and the complacency. Yeah, and the same for you, Julian. Is it the because I've seen you involved on various green campaigns over the years? Yeah, I think I think there was an element of of um, disagreeing with maybe decisions that are made and and thinking, well, you know, if if I disagree, then I should probably also get involved and try and, and change some of those decisions, from, you know, from the inside. And I think, um, and also, it's I think it's about. Um, doing the campaigning in a slightly different way of being a kind of campaign on, on the inside and having that voice in inside there to to kind of um, yeah make change um, in, in that way um, and you know kind of a better idea what's going on and more information to, to be able to do that because I think that also links in is, is the fact that um, in the two instances for me over the Greenbelt and in Castlevale there were voices out there that actually weren't being heard a community that actually weren't being held and they were desperately in need for someone to represent them um, and in both instances I, I've stepped forward and, and whilst I wasn't necessarily successful in the Greenbelt campaign because it is going ahead I felt I was successful as in Castlebell in reaching out to the community and engaging with them and sort of validating um, their concerns which I think was really important to them yeah and, and you said a similar thing about Drew T, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel there's there's quite a lot of areas of the city that are um, often ignored and aren't really listened to. Um, I think uh, Drew Heath is certainly, and Money Hall, to be honest, are certainly you know um, one of those areas. Um, you know, and, and for me, um, these are obviously the kind of you know, local, more local kind of issues of things like road safety and congestion and all that sort of stuff. But equally, the the, the big thing obviously in Drew Heath at the moment is regeneration, um, and it feeling to many residents like either they've seen it all before and it's promises 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 or it's a tick box exercise tick box exercise where they're not really being properly consulted um and, and both of those came out really strongly um and you know i you know have done already you know quite a lot of work with residents on that um to try and you know, advocate on their behalf and actually push for answers simply for information because there wasn't a lot forthcoming uh, for a lot of the time um and also trying to you know push for for the plan you know the plans in a way that which which residents want that actually reflects what residents want um and um you know i'm going to be continuing doing that because that that issue is not closed at all um you know we, we haven't you know we aren't getting any kind of decisions until the summer um when we don't even know what residents absolutely actually picked as their option in the consultation as, as bad as the consultation was um we don't know really what what residents thought we haven't had that kind of um data so what, back from the council at the moment just give so. us an idea. I've, I've always thought of drew teeth as a bit like castle mm. 20 years ago before the regeneration 
you know, Castle 30 odd tower blocks. I think he's got mm -hmm. two left now, yeah. is it? Yeah. yeah. And and they completely rebuilt the estate, but it, I think it took 400 million of government money and a sort of housing action trust and, and all that business to, to get that that mm -hmm. done. Um, so what, what what are the plans for Drew Teeth and where do you see it going? Um, well, so, so currently Drew Teeth has 15 tower blocks, mm. um, one of which is already um, kind of people in there already being rehoused and is, is, is definitely a mark for demolition. Um, the plans such as they are, um, and this is kind of the latest information I've got which is you know, I've not been able to get anything newer, but at the moment, the, the kind of what we've got so far is that all the tower blocks would eventually go, um, and they would also um, do some demolition of some kind of maisonette flats over garages and some bungalows and some houses, um, and kind of rebuild um, kind of new housing in in in, in place of that. Um, that does mean a reduction in the number of houses in the area, depending and how much of that, how much of a reduction depends on. Um, which plan they go for and, and what what option they, they pick, um, but what what you know whatever option they pick, there will be a reduction for on, on the as the with the plans as they stand at the moment. Um, obviously, so then that begs questions about things like what happens to people who are there at the moment? Where do people get rehoused? Do people get a choice about where they whether they get to stay in Drewsheath or not if they want to stay there? Um, so I think you know those are big questions which which you know aren't being in my view aren't being answered properly at the moment um, and it's 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 being done it feels like at the moment it's being done to people rather than with people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've had experience of that and, that and that's something sort of in my tenure four years I'd actually like to look at how consultations are actually performed. I think um, sometimes they're they're woefully shoddy in terms of their engagement um, with local residents and and just mm. in general I think the city council fails to engage with its local residents and actually really understands um, what's actually needed. Yeah, I mean interestingly you, you're both coming into single member wards yeah. um, which means you're on your own, you yeah. haven't got a more experienced buddy to hold your hand and, and show you around and um, as regards your, your local ward obviously you and, and Julian you're, you're on your own in, in a party sense as well um, but so how, how does that, I mean for you Suzanne, how, how does that um, how, how do you plan to deal with that as the as the you know the buck stops here person or the? <laughs> I, I guess effectively you just get on with it, and I've got support around me anyway mm -hmm. um, from from the um, the conservative councillors, um, so they will help and guide me through. Mm. Um, but I don't know about you, Julian, but I've been sort of working it now for over 18 months. So for me, when we, when we won, it was just business as usual, and we just mm. carry on. Um, and in some way, it's 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 nice being a single member ward. Mm. Um, the residents have just got one key core contact, um, and they know who to come. To. Um, and so for me it, it's fine um, it's easily manageable yeah I mean I think likewise I mean I was, I was you know, um, you know was working for that community for two years um, as it is already so yeah very much kind of like sounds very much continuing business as normal um, and um, I think yeah on, on it's easier you know you are in, in many ways it's you the book stops for you you're the, you're the point of contact um, and, and, and that's it um, and there isn't any kind of confusion about who to go to and, and what have you. Um, and yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's, you get quite a lot of freedom, um, I think, to, to kind of do, do the job well in a way that, that you think works best for that community. Um, and I think also on the kind of slightly wider uh, view of, of me being the only Green councillor, um, well, we obviously you know, have colleagues right across the region who, who are experienced councillors in, in other areas. Um, 
and you know, particularly obviously as we mentioned in Solihull um, and also I think um, again being a lone councillor um, has a, a lot of advantages in the freedom I've got to pick up issues to say what I like to really stand up for residents views and really you know kind of be a kind of independent voice I, I don't have to toe a party line at all um, I've even had a, um, a councillor to kind of tell me already they're kind of envious a little bit of my position as, of being able to um, be able to do that but there's so, a party line with the green party though isn't there there's a line that would um, have to be followed there surely um we don't whip so greens even even where we have more more councillors we don't kind of run a whipping system so um it we are very much free to kind of stand up uh, for what we 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 believe um so and and also and you know green party kind of policies and, and values is very much about community about kind of working from the grassroots up and about that sort of you know grassroots representation um as opposed to kind of a more top-down approach so i think actually a lot of our values kind of fit in with being a good councillor being you know that kind of strong independent voice um for for communities you know and not only in birmingham but across the country and i think if you've got um I don't think a single member ward is any different having a two member ward when you've got the one party in power actually in that ward because you're going to be working together, you're consistent in your views, you're consistent actually in your approach. I, I guess the only problem does occur. I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that for everyone. <laughs> or should we? Or should, <laughs> should we? be? Yeah. <laughs> I like to see the people I see actually are, are actually doing that. But yeah, mm. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's, um, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Um, what particular issues are you, are you going to be interested in? Um, if we start with you, Suzanne, during this sort of four years, what what are you going to look at? Is it, you know, again housing, something that you've discussed, or, or you know, road safety, all those? So, you know, are, are there going to be any priorities? What committees would you be looking to to get a voice on or to sit on? Or? Um, the committees we're just having those conversations now, um, and because we've just only just had the information and the titles of them, then it's hard to describe which ones mm. would would actually be appropriate. But in terms of Castlevale itself. Um, it really, the key ones are antisocial behaviour. Um, mm. It's trying to stamp out those. It's working with all the community groups. It's working with um, the housing associations. It's working with the community police. Um, it's um, only a small handful of people causing problems in terms of antisocial behaviour, but when they do cause problems, there, there's, there's a wider ricochet across um, the community. So that's a key one for me. Um, also, fly tipping, looking at fly tipping, that is an issue. Um, since the uh, bulky waste charge um, was implemented, there has been an increase um, and that's something I'm constantly chasing my tail with over in Castlevale. Um, so dealing with that. Also uh, as part of the campaign and something I'd really like to see is the opening of the Castlevale train station. I think it brings a huge amount of opportunities and that's of course working with the Mayor Andy Street um, and then lobbying the City Council to provide uh, basically the funding and the support for that. Um, so that's something very much um, I'll keep on the radar um, I'd like to see in place. Um, and then also um, even though I might have lost the, um, the Greenbelt campaign to protect it. Um, the regional employment sites, um, I'm now going to embrace it obviously because it's going to bring a huge host of opportunities and particularly for an area like Castlevale. Um, so I intend to start working with the schools and um, when the development starts going ahead in about two years time and trying to bring those together and get a career um, path for children on Castlevale. So basically they can go straight into some um, employment or training um, and try and skill, skill them there. So, so those are my main goals, um, but mainly just to em embrace the community and work within the community and, and, and be their representative um, is, is the other key goal as well. And Julian? Regeneration. The regeneration. But um, what else are you going to um, be looking at? 
Um, I think, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, that's going to be a, a, a big one. Um, I think it's bringing groups and, and, and people together. There's already a lot of quite a good uh, of work going on in, in the area of, of kind of community groups and individuals doing quite um, good things. Um, I think there's definitely a role for bringing those together a bit more and, and helping, you know, kind of linking people up. Um, I think the um, so, so, so there's that um, there is our issues with congestion and uh, speeding and safe crossings and all that sort of stuff which is a, which is a big one um, um, so obviously we've only got one main arterial route but a lot of the kind of uh, smaller roads through the through the through the area are yeah not pleasant to either use as a in terms of congestion or to be able to get across or you know in terms of speeding so there's, there's big things there that I think I'm, I'm gonna be working on um, I mean, big issues with rubbish and litter and fly tipping, um, and kind of really you know, keeping on top of those, um, and things like you know potholes and breaking for paving slabs, you know the kind of basics um, as well um, that you know um, often we, we may decry but are really really important to local people and, and them not being sorted are kind of what why what may people think they're just not being listened to and ignored. Um, so I think so I think that there's um, kind of all of that side of it as well um, and yeah I think um, it's it's kind of you know um, being that independent strong voice for the area um, and you know standing up for people really yeah um, okay I'm just going to take a quick break there right, and welcome back um, we're going to move on now and ask our um, our new councillors um, what they've made during their first sort of week 10 days in in uh, in office and uh, perhaps if they've um, you know what they've seen around the council house and what what surprised them um, so if I start with Suzanne um, you know how's it been um, what, what's the place like are you uh, you settling in uh, settling in fine it, it's uh, I, I visited it before um, but it, it is what it is it's quite, it's quite a grand place it's, it's quite it's quite exciting to go in there and, and I feel very proud to actually be part of it um, but of course in, in a short space of time I believe it's going to be closed for renovation anyway so I've got my eye on now exactly where the new offices are actually going to be um, but uh, but no I don't think anything's really defied my expectations in the first week it's it really is business as usual to be honest um, I think the, the lack of communication and the problems with communication actually in, in that kind of environment um, are, are obvious as well it's a, such a large machine um, and there's so many groups um, but I look forward to, to sort of working with everybody and, and seeing how that all goes and uh, again something I'm, I'm always keen on is to always keep improving communication between people and groups regardless of politics as well I think it's always important to keep people talking but but now it's been an interesting week and um, yeah uh, yeah. yeah, been good. And you, Julian? Have you yeah, been? I mean, um, mostly as expected, I think. Um, uh, I mean, I've, you know, I've been to the, again, like I've been to the building before, um, but it's yeah, it's you know, grand old building, and it's 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 um, yeah, I kind of as, as yeah, as I would have expected. I mean, there's a few interesting things, um, particularly on etiquette around the council uh, meetings, which is uh, quite interesting. How you have to bow if you're leaving early, and um, you're not allowed to kind of walk across the the front um, of the chamber when the mace is there, and um, all that sort of thing. So which is um, well, certainly to me seems to quite um, you know, obviously it's kind of the pomp and ceremony, but there's kind of a little bit of archaicness about that. So it's kind of quite interesting to learn that there are these. Uh, kind of rather old-fashioned rituals that, that, that kind of still exist um, but yeah otherwise it's kind of you know uh, as I'd expect really. I mean going back to that I was, I was just reminded a few years ago there was a Lord Mayor and I won't embarrass them by uh, saying who it was who uh, started insisting that the press should bow as well and uh, 
<laughs> and, and should uh, yeah and then there are others that you know enforce the, the the requirement to wear a tie and permission to take your jackets off and uh, and uh, yeah I must admit I don't really um don't really follow any of that so uh. <laughs> I think there, there's a balance between tradition isn't there yeah. and sort of you know what, what we need for, for current day I mean the mayor making next week I think uh, the ladies will be wearing frocks and some will wear wear their hats as well which is sort of goes back with tradition and mm-hmm. uh, I probably will be wearing a hat I should have should add yeah, it's always a funny one, the mayor making. Yeah, it it's is. It's a bit old-fashioned. Yeah, it is, yeah. A bit like the Ascot races. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Have you definitely. Have got your new suit ordered? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I always like Robert Alden, the, the Conservative leader, with his, uh, his, his range of blazers with broad stripes. and Stylish blazers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... Um, We've just seen this last few hours, actually, the uh, the, the changes at the, the leadership of the council. Um, this this might get a little bit political. You're both opposition councillors, so um, you know we, we understand that. But um, what, what do you make of the, the changes that you've seen? Um, we've got now a cabinet member for finance. Other cabinet members have been scrapped and so on. Have you had a chance to formulate an opinion? Do you know the people involved? Is it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's for, for certainly uh, um, kind of recent Birmingham cabinet changes or anything to go by, it feels quite fairly wholesale. Um, it's quite, quite big changes there. Um, and I mean, in some ways, probably understandable with the, the mess that, that was the, the bin situation um, over the last year. Um, so, you know, uh, probably needs to be seen to be, do something quite dramatic. Um, we'll have to see if, if you know, new cabinet will, will mean you know, the changes you know we, we need to see. Um, yeah, so you know I suppose the, 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 we'll have to wait and see on that. But yeah, it, it was quite a big change. Certainly, that was kind of my impression of it in terms yeah. of looking at the kind of the, 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 the changes there that, that came out today. Yeah, the four um, four new members mm. yeah, out of eight. Yeah. Um, okay, Suzanne, any um, for me, it'll. Uh, near enough the same as June but it'll be interesting to see how they form how they work together as a group um, and whether they provide any cohesion for for the council itself and, and drive the policies and the services that are actually needed out there in the community I think if you look at the voting that happened o- across Birmingham overall it was actually quite close even though Labour have won a significant amount of seats in principle in comparison to the Greens and, and to us the Conservatives and, and Liberals um, I think if you look at the voting it was actually quite close so out there there is obviously a need and demand by residents to actually see change and you know they're paying for services and then they should have the services that they're actually paying for so for me um, it'll be interesting to see if this new cabinet does actually deliver um, and how soon there may be a cabinet reshuffle um, so yeah interesting interesting times certainly with some of the characters on there yeah yeah um, and also one of the big changes this time is that, is that there's going to be no none of these annual routine elections um, it's the first time we're, we're going to see it here in Birmingham. Do you, do you think this will be a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I think it will be a good thing to put in consistency for the councillors are actually in their wards, single member, two member wards. Um, so it's, it's a change for all of us. So we can sort of, you know, to see how, the, how that establishes and, and how, how it works out in reality. 
Um, and it also means that um, we can start to formulate long-term policies um, and sort of drive towards all the ambitions in, in four years' time. Um, so it will be interesting. None of us particularly were keen to have the all-out elections. I think that's that's the general mm-hmm. consensus. But we've got them, um, so we're going to have to make the best of them. Um, but I think it will mean that there will be some more consistency from all of us, I'm hoping, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping the City Council will provide some, some more consistency. But there will be more accountable in four years' time if they actually don't deliver. And I think for me... That is the only concern that I do have um, because, you know, it's going to be Ian Ward's potentially his first full term with his first elected cabinet, if I got that correct, that he's yeah, elected yeah, himself. Yeah, he, he, he came in halfway through last yeah. year and um, so inherited. To see, yeah, to see whether whether he can really deliver um, and, you know, based on the fact of what happened with the bin strikes, it was catastrophic. Um, and for me, thank goodness that the elections followed in May because, you know, in certain areas, the people certainly did have their say. And as I say, if you look at the voting share um, across Birmingham, uh, it's pretty clear that um, Birmingham really did have its say and they were really annoyed about that strike. So it would concern me if that does happen again. Um, and, you know, we've got to wait for four years before we have that change. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think um, on the one hand, um, it you could say it's it's more accountable because you've got that kind of clean break every four years and you're electing a new council um, and if you don't like what the current council are doing you can change it wholesale at, 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 at that, that four year point um, but the, the, on, the, on the other hand it, it does mean that you don't have kind of a regular barometer of how people are feeling throughout the, the, that time and, and the advantages of kind of going you know by thirds or, or whatever the system is and other places do by halves um, is that you do at least get a kind of, uh, you know, people can have their say every year and, and you know, express their dissatisfaction uh, more often. Um, and, you know, it's a chance for, for, for maybe then the council to change tack, um, you know, as opposed to this kind of all or nothing kind of four-year approach. Um, so I think there are, there are things to be said for, um, you know, holding people to account or have, being able to hold the parties to account certainly you know once you know once a year um, or, or three years out of four um you know as opposed to kind of this kind of all-out approach yeah. but you know we'll we'll see what what, what happens um and seems from where i was sitting there was always a constant um you know everyone was on an election footing almost mm-hmm. constantly it was like two weeks in may they they took a time off and then yeah. you know maybe, maybe a summer break and then september they were back again selecting candidates um fighting and arguing and, and looking ahead to the next election. But let's not forget, we have got the mayor elections coming up in two yeah. years' time, so that will be a barometer um, mm. to get a sense check of how well a city council is, is actually performing here in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just finally, um, aside from your community issues on your own patch, what do you think the biggest issues are facing Birmingham at the moment? Um, if I sort of take Ian Ward's uh, comment last week was... Um, cleaner streets, potholes, um, housing and jobs. Um, is that fair? Is there something else you'd like to throw in there? I'm glad he's been listening. He's been listening to our campaign because <laughs> that's exactly what we were fighting for, cleaner and greener streets in Birmingham and, mm. and you know, housing as well. Um, I think Bobby ran a good campaign in terms of the housing needs that were mm. uh, required um, for the residents in Birmingham. So I, I'm, I'm glad he's listening. So, uh, yeah. Mm. But potholes is, is, is a big one. Um, we mm. just chatted before we started mm. as well. I haven't actually seen that um, news piece yet, but... 
And you spoke earlier, Julian, as well, about um, the issues of potholes. That is a big one for residents, because not only is it sort of about the, the impact on the roads, it's actually the impact it's having on their cars as well. And there's, uh, I suspect, a lot of insurance claims because of the damage those potholes are having and the continual. Um, but, yeah, no, um, I'm glad he's listening to our right campaign. Priorities, whether you agree with what he's doing about it or... The way he goes about it would be interesting. It might not necessarily be the, the, the way, if we'd have been in power, we'd have gone about it. But he's definitely been listening to our campaign and understood what the residents out there needed, which is cleaner, greener streets. So, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think housing is is a, is a big one. Um, certainly, you know, looking at my own my own ward, um, that the issue that I get most kind of um, co- contact about and, and most co- calls about is is housing issues. Um, you know, whether that's council housing that's not up to scratch, um, whether that's just not enough housing in the city. Um, you know, there, there is a clear need there. But I mean. Um, so that I think housing definitely has to be there as a priority, but we, we've also got to acknowledge when we, when we talk about housing, it's not just a council um, problem. Um, and too often, I do feel our national government does kind of bounce it down to councils and say you deal with it without any money or any plans, any strategic planning, it's your problem. Um, and I think we need to kind of get away from that a bit. And actually, um, I think government needs to do more as well to, to help solve that. And I, I don't think it's doing enough. Um, and so I think your yeah, housing is definitely a big one, whether that's the quality of the housing we've got or whether that's um, the, the amount of housing actually having enough homes for, for people to live in that, that are good quality. Um, I, I mean, I definitely think, you know, getting the, the waste system sorted and actually working. Um, I do um, sometimes a bit disappointed, as, you know, that, that we're not being more forward thinking about how we deal with waste. Um, so, you know, yes, weekly bin collections and, and keeping that. But we also need to look at kind of, you know, how we're going to deal with it in the future. And I think and the waste strategy that came out last year wasn't the new waste strategy wasn't, wasn't good enough. It, it was, was a bit um, vanilla. To yeah. taste. Yeah, it was not very radical. Yeah, exactly. No, it was. It there just wasn't you know enough kind of big new ideas there. Um, and and you just got to look at other local authorities around the country, even in this country, just to see what can be done with a bit of forward thinking, a bit of creativity. Um, and we're not seeing it. And, and Birmingham's recycling rates are were already bad and they're dropping further. Um, and you know we, we kind of I think need to. to really rethink that and, and you know do something much much more innovative um so i think i think definitely the waste system needs not only does it need to work in the short term um you know we, we talked about weekly bin collections during the campaign but you know any collections would have been nice for, for certain parts of the city um you know during the election during, during 2017 um but i think we we you know as well as you know keeping that and making sure that you know, so those weekly collections work, you, we also need to really think kind of creatively and, and be really innovative going forward and, and have a, a you know, waste system that's kind of fit for the 21st century in Birmingham, which we don't have at the moment. Okay. But just, just in terms of housing, um, there's a lot of talk about housing and what people need and, and everything, but the, the, the key to housing is putting the houses in the right place with the right infrastructure. And also the problem we have in Birmingham is the capacity issue. Birmingham hasn't got the capacity. It's, it's running out of space in terms of where you can actually put the houses. Mm. So whoever is actually talking about housing and in this sense it's going to be in ward, he's got to come up with a robust mm. and strategic thinking plan to address the problem and the issues and certainly put the houses in, in the right place. Um, I mean, absolutely, housing needs to be thought of in, in kind of... Uh you know where best to place them in terms of transport and infrastructure so people can kind of you know get to jobs get to services get to schools whatever else from from where these new houses are um but i think often you know the problem with 
uh, why the default is often to green belt is is because um, brownfield um, is often considered too expensive. This is, I wasn't um, talking about a green belt. No, no, no. Um, um, but um, and I think I think um, the we, we we do need um kind of strong forward thinking plans. But I, mean, I, the I think the mayor's got the land yeah. remediation funds to yeah. try and decontaminate. But whether that's enough, because you know a lot of the de- developers kind of tend to default to, to kind of this stuff because it's so expensive, yeah. or well, so they say. Um, so I think we, we need to also, as well as having the plans in place um, and, and you know, City Council doing all it can, um, also you know we need the kind of money, the kind of thing that we're talking about with the mayor, but even kind of more so, um, to actually be able to do get the heavy metals out of the soil yeah. the and, and also sites. have have housing yeah. that you know so have enough housing for people in the right places exactly as you're talking about, um, but to do that it, it needs to be more more than just. City Council, we, we kind of need a joined-up approach, and we kind of, you know, from from different um, tiers of government, all kind of playing their part. It has to be a regional approach. I, I just strongly believe if if Moore's going to policy is going to work, it has to be a regional approach. Because the point is not really between Brownfield and Greenbelt. That that argument's gone now because there is really no Greenbelt left actually in Birmingham. That's the whole issue. And there's very very little Brownfield site. And I think as a city, we're not going to be able to fulfil at least 30,000 to 40,000 homes by 2031 here. And when you go around and talk to people, whether it's in Castle Vale, whether it's in Drew's Heath and, and so forth, there is, there is a desperate housing shortage and, and the right stock of housing. So I think any strategy has got to think outside um, outside the boundaries, particularly as to how we're going to fulfil it. It's a growing city. It's you know, It will be becoming a huge, a greater Birmingham, effectively, I think is actually going to happen. So uh, I think I, I will always keep my eye on that one because of my history with, with the campaigning, but it's gone beyond now Greenbelt versus Brownfield. It's how on earth we're actually going to fulfil the housing need itself. I mean, I mean, absolutely, we we um, we, we do need to fulfil the housing need. I think I think the the other thing is um, there is quite a lot of brownfield, possibly not in a set of the you know, Birmingham city boundaries itself, but there is quite a lot in the Black Country that, that we could make you know um, could be you know much better used. But you're um, only responsible. Um, for you. I mean, yeah, but but we this is why we need a kind of multi-layered approach involving government at national level and regional level to be able to actually deliver. So we this. agreed, which is great. Um, <laughs> That's a good news. So, so I look forward to our Conservative Mayor actually delivering on that um, as, yeah, and actually you know, delivering those promises. He's promised 215,000 houses. So we know whether those funds are enough and we need to kind of make sure we, we see that and more, really. Okay, well, um, I think that's, uh, that's about what we've got time for. So thank you very much, Julian Pritchard mm-hmm. and Suzanne Webb, newly elected councillors. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming in. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We're coming to the end of the uh, the podcast now and just want to say thanks to our guests and uh, thanks to those that have been downloading, listening and uh, commenting. Please do um, comment online if you, uh, if you feel so inclined. Uh, my Twitter is at Neil Elks, N-E-I-L-E-L-K-E-S or on Facebook, I'm Neil Elks Journalist. Um, so you can find me there and make comments about this and uh, some of the articles that we're writing on, the, uh, on Birmingham Live. Um, we'll continue. Um, we've got some. Uh, been talking to some more interesting characters in and around the Birmingham political scene. Um, if there's anyone you think we should be talking to, then please let us know. Um, we've got the new Labour cabinet has come in this week, um, and they'll be getting to work on on their agenda. So um, perhaps we'll talk to some of them about things that are going on and uh, plans they've got over the coming months. But um, just want to also say thank you to uh, to Scott Edwards, Kieran Doody, and Graham Brown who've been helping me with this, and um, we'll see you next time. Thank you.